Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast. Happy New Year in 2023 to all of you listeners. This is episode 130. I am alongside Matt Santangelo today, just uh, me and him. Pet is got a lot of moving things going on. Um, uh, he'll be on our side of the world for a few in a few months or for a few months. So that's going to be exciting. Um, but Matt, Happy New Year. How are you? Yeah, Happy New Year, Martino. Happy New Year to the uh, State of Play audience um yeah it's first off it's crazy that we're on episode 130 um that's pretty wild it's like i always try to like you know we always talk about like new year's resolutions and like growth and all that 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 happy happy stuff and uh yeah no it's 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 been it's been awesome the times have been good um new year got some new ankles new ambitions things like that and um yeah i really have really have no complaints i'm I'm just happy that club football is back after a great world cup but I, i like having milan football back in my life yeah, I was I was kind of getting used to the no football for a few weeks. It was nice to get that kind of break, just you know, doing content every single mm-hmm. day of the World Cup, just exhausting, um, and, and getting up at like five a.m. Of course, we had to get yeah. up early for Milan to learn. Kind of, we'll get into Serie A later, but um, I mean, speaking of the World Cup, there's drama, Santangelo, and of course, it's coming from our beautiful nation of the USA. I mean, let's let's get down to it. Uh, this is really going to, it's going to be kind of a longer breakdown for this because I have a lot of opinions on this. To me, this doesn't surprise me as much as some people would think, um, especially those outside of the United States and not growing up in a certain like kind of background area that we uh, have. So I, I think it's very interesting to see this unfold. So here's the timeline of this entire situation and drama. So it starts in the world cup in Qatar. Um, and Matt, we had heard rumblings of Giorena's role with Team USA. It was kind of it was kind of odd what was going on during World Cup qualifiers. To preface this by saying is that Giorena by far is one of the most talented players on Team USA, one of the more talented players that they've ever produced in general. And despite his age, um, was doing great things, and he's doing good things at Dortmund. Did not have a role in this 2022 World Cup. Prior to the tournament, Burhalter sat him down. And basically explained to him that he wasn't going to have the role that he anticipated him having. Um, And this led to a lot of controversy uh, just from a tactical standpoint. This wasn't controversy in the sense of what we saw unfold and what we found out. It was more of like, why the hell aren't you playing your best player? Now, Gio obviously went to go apologize to the team because he had a poor attitude after finding out about this. We didn't see him sub on in that first match against Wales, which everybody was thoroughly upset about. But there are certain ways you have to carry yourself as a professional, and we'll get into that. But the timeline continues as such. Burhalter was not playing Gio, and we had that whole controversy go down. Now, a couple of days ago, we see a post... Uh, by Greg Berhalter on his social media talking about how there was going to be this big issue coming about um, from the 2022 World Cup and it centering around one player and an incident involving his now wife, then girlfriend 30 years ago. Uh, and to put it simple as this, the Berhalters are a very prominent name in U.S. soccer, right? There's a lot of controversy even surrounding the hire of Greg because of who his brother was and how he was on the board of the U.S. Soccer Federation. And Matt, you and I both know that nepotism runs incredibly deep, not only in football, but especially in America. So with this, 
um, he got out in front of it. It was a domestic violence issue between him and his, his wife, um, where he allegedly kicked her. Obviously, we don't know all the proof, but he wanted to get out in front of it. And he was talking about how there was blackmail involved. And blackmail involved in this was coming from someone he did not name them. But the report the next day came out that it was coming from the Reina camp. And now the Reina camp, meaning Gio's parents, Claudio, former U.S. men's national team, teammate of Greg Berhalter, former high school teammate of Greg Berhalter, um, and his wife, uh, Danielle Reyna, who is also a former roommate and friend of Greg Berhalter's wife. So not only was this something that was stemming for over 30 years, it is something that was very personal. This had nothing to do with football. So basically what happened was these messages started, Matt, Right after Gio was told that he wasn't going to have a role with the uh, with the U.S. team at the World Cup. Now, I want your thoughts straight up for that because now we can really get into it that we've explained the timeline. Now there's an investigation, I should say, being led by the U.S. Soccer Federation. That's why Greg has not also been extended by the country at this time. So right now they're having an in interim uh, manager at the moment for these matches upcoming um, over the next couple of months. But Matt... There's a lot to unpack here. What the fuck, basically? Um, what are your initial thoughts hearing about all of this? Are you surprised? Are you How disappointed are you? What, where does this relationship now go between the Reynas and whatever future manager or if Greg Berhalter is returning at this point? Like, what, what do you see happening? And what, what are your um, thoughts? Well, I mean, as far as, like, the, 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 the ins and outs and the finer details of the entire story, the situation, the allegations, investigation, everything like that. Um, it it kind of came out of left field. Um, but I think what it does now is it kind of, um, it, it kind of links the whole, the whole idea and whole, um, um, I guess, pondering and questioning as to why Junior Reno didn't play as much as he probably should have, given the fact that, again, he is a, a, a pretty solid talent. He's been doing it for Borussia Dortmund for, couple of years now we've seen him in the champions league show out he's he's had impactful moments and he's a player that is part of a very young promising and progressive uh u.s men's soccer team built around youth so you'd think built around youth pulisic rainia like these are the guys at the core of that why isn't this guy getting the opportunity to play and it seems as though that now it kind of starts to make sense right like ah okay and you know, from the outside looking in, you know, there's probably a lot of people that don't know to your point about like U.S. men's soccer, like the the details behind Berhal Terrania, like their relationship, because it's it's the sport is prominent in this country, but it's not at the forefront like it is in other countries where if there's any sort of controversy or things going on with like the French national team or the Italian federation, like it it's going to yeah. the forefront. It's known. It's it's documented. You'll get you 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 get everything. Everything's spilled, right? Yeah. So when I look at that and you tell me basically chronicling everything because admittedly like a lot of these things I'm still catching up on. Um, so shout out to you for kind of breaking down the timeline of events here. <laughs> um, shout out it feels like a, like a, like a <laughs> e keeping up the Kardashians esque type thing here. Like you have family drama, you have past relationships, you have people who are really close friends. They probably had a bunch of dinners together and now all of a sudden it's getting kind of political and agendas and all these sorts of things coming up about it. Um, I'm surprised. Yes. But I think it, co it just goes to show you that, you know, uh, U S soccer kind of gets in its own way a lot of times, right? Like 
at the World Cup, there was expectations. They had a mm-hmm. lot of youth, a lot of yep. good players at their first World Cup. Like, this is a good opportunity, right? They got out of their group. They played the Netherlands, you know, whatever. They lost. Yeah. But there's there's a good hope. There's a good future there. And then it seems as though it's that, like, just when you think they're, 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 mm-hmm. they're heading in the right direction and they got things on track and the future looks very bright, these things seem to mar the, 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 the very good things that they've built over the past whatever since many years since they didn't make the World Cup, mm-hmm. the previous one. So when I look at all these things, it doesn't really move me in any way because I think, again, we follow Italian soccer, uh, Italy national team. I know I do Poland as well. Um, and we maybe don't find out too much about Poland. But like when it comes to U.S. soccer, like we've seen this drama before in other sports, in other franchises, in, in baseball, basketball, football, American football, right? Like, Hey, yeah, even, like, even your namesake, the Santangelos. Uh, or Colangelo, <laughs> sorry, it was Colangelo in basketball. Almost, it's Jello at the end of it. But Jerry there's, Colangelo, there's the nepotism so, yeah. ran deep with USA it's, basketball. It's, it's one of those and things where you kind of like you get used to it, like on the the ESPN stories and all those sorts of things. You get used to these things, and it's unfortunate <laughs> when we're speaking in a soccer sense because, um, again, yeah. like you know, there's a lot of bright spots and a bright future for this US men's soccer team with or without Greg, Greg Berhalter, right? But you still, regardless, have that 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 st- that stability of a yep. good young crop of players that can't be wasted. But let's get down to that, right? Like, with or without Greg Berhalter as the coach, yeah. this mm-hmm. this era of that's deemed a golden generation by the Alexi Lawlesses, the Taylor Twalmans, the Stu Holdens of the world, and many people in, in U.S. soccer media as being like a golden generation that cannot be wasted. Like, you cannot waste this group of players. And I think that that's what, yeah. that, that's what the sentiment has to be here. Like, with or without, whatever regardless happens, I think you need a new coach, even if this didn't come out, Greg Berhalter wasn't the guy for me, um, but regardless, it's like one thing, like one thing sure. or another. Like th- th- they got to get out of their own way and let this group flourish because they're running the risk of it being wasted on things like this. Yeah, and listen, there's no excuse for this entire situation. So I, I have a couple of you know points on this that I, that I think are very important. One, disgusting by the Reynas. These are parents here. I don't give a damn what you say. If you knew about a specific incident that happened over 30 years ago and you said nothing about it, why now? Why are you using something that's supposed to be a crime, right? It, it, whatever, whatever happened, happened. We don't know. We don't know the extent of those details. But if there was a domestic violence issue, why didn't you go to the police then? Why haven't you gone at all? Why did you wait till now when your son is not playing football to go and say this? That's disingenuous. You don't actually give a damn about the woman and what happened there. Secondly, I find it really incredible that we see something get to this level in terms of nepotism, arrogance, parents having a voice when their child is not playing. Matt, you have nieces and nephews. Your siblings have kids. You've been there. You play Little League Baseball in the United States. I've coached. I've umpired. Um, I've even refed football, multiple sports. Parents are always getting involved. And at a certain point, there's always a, a line in the sand that you have to draw to say, hey, you have no input. You can't tell me who plays and who doesn't play. That is what's so egregious about this is that what happens at the youth level in USA has gone now to the highest pecking order, to the World Cup, to the world's biggest competition. Whether or not we agree with Greg Berhalter playing Gio Reyna is one thing. 
to actually throw a fit like this is disgusting because now say Greg Berhalter comes back, Greg, Greg Berhalter comes back. There's an incredible amount of friction. And by the way, he caused a lot of it too. And I'm not saying about this specific incident. We remember when he was at a press conference trying to discuss about how Gio was almost sent home. And it was so obvious of the player that he was discussing at this point in time when he didn't need to, but he went out of his way to go and do that. And then again, Gio had to go apologize not only privately to his teammates and to the coaching staff for his behavior at the World Cup. He turned it around, but then Greg releases this publicly. So this is a bloodbath back and forth. And then on top of it, we had to see Gio apologize on Instagram. And then again, now we're in this situation of like, what happens if there's a new manager coming in here and one of the more young, talented players that this is a great point that you're making is that you have to protect this and develop them in the right way. Where does this put Gio Reyna's future in? Where does Gio Reyna come and act if there's a new manager in here? Say a new manager has the same agreement and thought process of, of Greg Berhalter saying, hey, Gio, you're not quite there yet as a player. We're not going to be playing you. What does Claudio and Danielle Reyna do at that point? Are they going to report some other incident to the Federation? Like, when does it stop? When does it end? When does Gio become his own man and say, hey, guys, I love you to death, but let's separate this. You shouldn't have a voice in this. I'm my own man. If I have an issue with Greg Berhalter, I'm going to go to him. This shouldn't be about some relationship that you've had over 30 years that you're getting involved in. This is where it becomes embarrassing because now this this creates so much chaos and a lack of serenity within this national team after a positive World Cup, after things are starting to turn around in which you host the next one, in which you're going to probably be involved in Copa America in 2024, which you should be gearing up for and have all these positive vibes around for the next five years probably, right? But no, Matt, we have this at the center of the eye of this storm. And to be quite honest with you, it's an incredibly low moment in U.S. men's national team history. Honestly, this isn't quite, it's, it's totally different than not making the World Cup in 2018. But to be honest with you, in terms of embarrassment, nepotism, and just overall pathetic embarrassment, this is up there, man. I, I have never, I haven't had this feeling about being disappointed in this federation in a very long time. In a very long time. I mean, you can go to the women's pay structure, whatever, all that stuff. But just like stuff that should never be happening and is completely childish and it involves crimes. I mean, dude, this is this is a low point. And I don't even care if like this affects stuff on the field. Yeah, Overall, no, it's, it's another thing too. It's just, you know, USA, look, you talk about young players and, you know, I think there's more levels to this. There's more important things at the end of the day, like, you know, the whole situation, like the, 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 the allegations of the kicking and how they, you know, you know what I'm saying? There, there's, there's maybe levels to it that are more significant, more important at the moment. But like, when you look at the actual sporting aspect of it, right. How do you think to sure. your point, you know, yeah. when you have a lot of young players, players at geo or players that are just coming in or that are still there and, how do you, if you're Greg Berhalter, no, not mm-hmm. Greg Berhalter, if you're the U.S. men's national team locker room, like the, the core group of players and even any player that comes in, and let's say Greg Berhalter gets yeah. past this, the, the U.S. soccer gets past this, and they stick with him, they give him a new deal. I don't see that happening. I don't think you can do that at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
do you think th- those players feel like, no, 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 you no. betrayed one of our own guys. I, I don't feel that comfortable that I could share and be honest with you because of fear that some things might leak and might get out. And I, I don't feel like you're repaying that trust and that the locker room is, is, is a sanctuary. It's, it's sacred, right? In sports, like, you know, you're having that, you're, you're 20 something players. You're all going for the same goal. Like yep. those things should be settled behind closed doors. The fact that it went public means that Gio Reynes of the world are probably thinking, how can I really trust this coach? And how can I really respect him and respect his way of doing things? And a lot of players that you're going to have, yeah. they, have, they have allegiances, right? They got little clicks. I know that seems like a high school thing, but this happens in football. There are certain players that hang around with certain players. There are certain, you know, groups of, of, of individuals within the same yeah. group that they, they grew up together. They, they went to all the same travel tournaments. They went all to all the same U, U team tournaments that they're going to side with their, play, their player, their friend over their coach. So now there's friction all over the place. And then there's friction by association because you're saying, well, hey, I'm, if I'm going to choose the coach or the player, I'm choosing the player I've been with for seven, eight years. The coach I just met four years ago, right? So now you have those sorts of things. So it's a kind of a, yep. a domino effect, a cascading effect yep. that I think, you know, let's yep. be honest here. You know, the decision has to be Greg Berhalter out. I think I was that for a while. But I think this is kind of one of those things where, yes, you know, it's not all Greg Berhalter. Mm-hmm. But it kind of starts with him, and then you have also the Reynas. I think there has to be a real, real deep look and conversation, honest conversation about you know these parties and them being involved. If we're really trying to put the best foot forward and do what's best for the the soccer federation and the and the players and this generation of talent, that's what I think the conversation has to be. Because if this is what it's going to be, there's not enough talent, there's not enough longevity, and there's not enough pedigree and history of winning where you could overcome this. Remember the scandal with France without Valbuena and Benzema and some of the players? And mm-hmm. Benzema wasn't with the national team for a while. He only recently got recalled. Yep. Because there, there was an actual investigation, just a prep, like there was an actual investigation with that, with the Berhalter right. one. There was never an investigation. This is stri- like this. It's blackmail both involved, like what you're saying, but like just, just for some, like to. To just even if people are just from the USA, and but but the, what I'm saying, what I'm the, the, the basically like, the point I'm trying to make deep, is that like, that this isn't though, again from a sporting point. sense that those nations have the talent, they have the talent pool to overcome things like this, mm-hmm. right? If a player's out of favor, or if a player has an issue with a the coach, they'll get somebody else and they move on. U.S. men's soccer really doesn't have that. So if you start losing players at Giorania or some of the others that feel like, wow, like, okay, I have other, I have stories about Greg Berhalter that I want to come out with and they want to be siding with their own players and their own friends. Those things, it's, it's the political aspect of it, right? It's politics now. Cause it's also, there's also the political aspect of sports. You played professional, you played, you know, organized sports when you were younger. Did you not? Not professional, not professional. Jeez. Like Martino Puccio, local <laughs> soccer star. Like but you get the point where it's like, oh, why is this guy <laughs> playing over this player? Why is he, I'm better than him? Oh, no, he knows the coach and he yeah. blah, 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 blah. That's what it feels like now. It feels like high school. Mm-hmm. It really does. It feels like high school sports. Exactly. And that's, and that's what I was saying. Like when, when, when we're in Little League and when I, have, and when I have parents coming up to me, perfect, perfect incident just to encapsulate what the United States is and how parents get involved in this. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other countries, but it's very, very, very prominent over here. I was on a Little League baseball team with my father, right? My father's the coach of the baseball team. Someone comes in, uh, one of the parents uh, complaining about their son not being able to play in the position that he wants to play in. It's like, you don't make that decision. This is travel baseball. This is a little bit more serious 
than you might have wanted to be. But you can't just bitch and moan and complain about where your son or daughter is playing just because you feel that way. That's not how things work. That's not how things should ever work. But it's very prominent in, in, in this sport. I've been a referee where I have parents coming up to me when I'm training kindergartners, right? We're talking about kids six to seven years old. And the parents are coming in and involved saying, you can't do this to my kid. You can't rep the game like this. Your kid is slide tackling someone from behind at six years old. I'm telling him to stop. Shut your mouth and go over to the corner. I'm tired of hearing this, right? Because they don't know anything, okay? And we're talking about a country that is very ignorant and doesn't know a damn thing about this sport, right? And they're coming in and they're getting involved. And and this goes back to parents having the ability to pay their kids or pay for their kids to play this sport in this country, Matt, because we all damn well know Zlatan Ibrahimovic has come out about this and stated this and many other people. This sport is not the way a lot of people think it should be because there's a lot of pay to play in this. And when it comes to pay to play, it turns into politics. And when it turns into politics, then the parents get involved. And we see what just happened at this level. This is the highest of level that you could see this happen. It doesn't get worse. Parents are involved in a coach's decision-making at the World Cup. Jesus Christ. That's a problem. That's a problem, and it starts at the youth. No, level. no, I think we um, okay. I think we and kind it's of deeply rooted this one this down quite a bit. And that's here. the kind Let's of last point I want to make on this. If you have one more, you can go ahead. But yeah, but 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 for Santangelo and Martino, um, this is not surprising. Um, also, something not surprising in my opinion: Cristiano Ronaldo has left Europe to get a big payday in Saudi Arabia with Al Nasser. Um, you know, I, I, I do think on some level we have to kind of discuss um, his European career coming to an end, right? It's not to say he's retired from football. It's not to, to disrespect the Saudi Arabian League or, or anything like that. Um, but there, there is a difference in quality uh, between Europe and, and other places. Essentially, when a player leaves Europe, it is almost considered a retirement from top-level football, and that's kind of what it is. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, without a doubt, in my opinion, um, had the second greatest European football career at, at the club level that we've ever seen. I think this is also, as of today, the greatest Champions League player to ever exist. I, as a goal scorer at, at Real Madrid was just phenomenal. What he was doing at Manchester United is is unparalleled as, as a midfielder, winning a Ballon d'Or there, multiple Champions League finals uh, with them, winning one in 2008. Um, and going to Real Madrid, Cristiano Ronaldo at Real Madrid, Matt, I mean, just a genuine argument uh, as one of the greatest players we've ever seen. I actually, it's not even an argument. It's just a fact at this point. The amount of goals that he scored, the Ballon d'Ors, winning Portugal's first ever international trophy. I mean, it's a genuinely incredible career. And on some level, it is kind of sad to see. I, I'm not emotionally attached to the guy, but I can give respect when I see it as a player. I mean, the guy was a sensation. He's the greatest athlete that's ever played this sport. He could score in any way imaginable. Uh, and he did it at a sustained level for about 20 years. Did he fall off a cliff like like we've never seen? Yeah. Um, were there a lot of factors behind it? Sure. But the signs were there at Juve. They were there at Manchester United last season, regardless of managerial changes. But Ronaldo, 200 million euro per season, I think it's kind of sad in the sense, Matt, that no Champions League level side wanted him. Because if they did, then they would have signed him. And if he was willing to, he would have taken a pay cut. Unfortunately, 
Cristiano Ronaldo's career is over in Europe. Um, and Matt, if there was ever a ranking on a 1 to 10, Cristiano got a 20 out of 10. Um, truly exceptional. Truly exceptional. And now uh, he gets to ride off into the sunset uh, of Saudi Arabia with 200 million euro per season. Uh, go ahead. What are your thoughts? The, on this um, and, it's and interesting, right? Because I think, you know, I think you, you kind of did, you basically up, took everything uh, I would be, I would be I saying did, as far as comments. You know, we're, we're both, I think we can agree here and the wider audience might, you know, come with their pitchforks and, and torches <laughs> at us. But, you know, we, we've always, we've always been people who are of the belief that Messi is the best footballer of the two. Um, that's the conversation that's been going on for, for <laughs> years now. Um, and I think obviously with the recent World Cup victory for Argentina, Messi has put himself in his category by himself as the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting, the timing of everything, mm-hmm. right? Because at the World Cup is when that whole news around him going to Al Nasser came out. He denied it, which is, of course, which happens. They're not going to say, yeah, we're, I'm going. That's going to be a distraction for everybody, for him, for, the, for Portugal, for Santos, whoever. So obviously we knew that, right? There, but there was, or there's smoke, there's fire, right? And eventually as things turned out, he joined for a, a, a massive, massive bag. A bag that when I tell my father, yeah, hey, Ronaldo joined, joined for, guess how much he's getting? He's like, what? I'm like, 200 million. He's like, what? Like he was surprised. Like, and it's one of those things where it's like, that's how much money's in, in these specific regions. But that's a whole nother conversation. Hmm. Um, Talking about just more so with the public perception, um, because you, you touched on quite well, you know, his, his career in Europe and where it stands or where it stacks sure, up against sure. the greats. Um, as, as a Champions League player, I don't think there's any better. I think he's got the stats. He's got the numbers. He's got the moments. The, the one that recently, most recently comes to mind, obviously, is the bicycle kick goal against, against Juventus. That was kind of the defining moment for him to actually join Juventus because he got a standing ovation there. Um, credible goal, um, you know, a player I really admire. I appreciate for his work ethic, his commitment to the game, his commitment to being prolific, great in the right moments when the lights <laughs> are the brightest. Um, that's what Cristiano Ronaldo did for his entire career in Europe. Um, I think the one thing that kind of is disappointing though, is that there's a lot of people, um, that, you know, Absolutely. because of his, his, this downfall, um, in the past, you know, his return to Manchester United and not going according to plan. Um, in the entire interview appears Morgan. Um, and how he kind of told all um, to kind of force his way out. Yeah, yeah, that that too. Like, there's this 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 last mm. six months has been kind of chaos. But um, that people Severed seem to have recency bias over. Like, I've seen arguments where they're like putting Ronaldo like out of the top five in conversations as the greatest players of all time. Like, I've seen the graphics, and I don't know. Again, if you have to consider the source, but I think people are like looking at this, and I'm like. Wait, you serious? Just because Messi went to the World all Cup, time. that means all of a sudden Ronaldo just bows out of the top five and seven? Like that's 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 ridiculous. Like, you know. And, and when I look at his career, <laughs> it's just him and Messi. Like it's really truly that conversation. And I just want to kind of end it on, on this on yeah, this yeah, note yeah. that it's as a football fan first and foremost before anything Milan, before anything Italy, Poland, U.S. soccer, whatever. Yeah, sure. I'm a fan of the game. Right. And the fact that we were lucky enough, blessed enough to be enjoying like these two, these two legends go at it each year and try to one up one other and you know, compete for the same trophies and compete for the same pedestal pedestal. It's 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 a blessing. Right. Like in different sports, we've watched Tom Brady. We've watched in basketball, LeBron James, Kobe I'm Bryant. Like, television. That's that's we, we, as sports fans, we're truly blessed to have lived in the Messi Ronaldo era of dominance. 
And I think that's kind of what I want to end with more so than anything else, because I think, you know, whether he does go to sporting somehow or goes to do the MLS route, I think, you know, his legacy doesn't, his recent year, year and a half at Manchester United doesn't change anything. He's the second best player of all time behind Messi, in my opinion. Like that's just, I, I don't think there's a debate there. You can make Mar- Maradona. You can say Pele. Okay. I I don't I, I don't I don't have him no. there, but I he's easily top five. I think I think I would. Right. Uh, for me, it's for for me, it's Diego. It's just an interesting conversation. We won't get into it, but I'll just say this about like greatest of all time stuff. Uh, eventually, longevity matters yeah. because if you if you do a blind reveal and you put the statistics and the trophies up, right, and you don't have a picture of a player and you just have those things up there, and you say five Champions League. A Euro, multiple Premier League titles, multiple Serie A titles, multiple La Liga titles, um, FIFA Club World Cup, Ballon d'Ors, Golden Boots, over the there's span levels, of 20 there's years levels, and there's multiple levels positions. And in every sport, what makes that was like around jo- Jordan's prolonged or a little bit less than sustained dominance? Yeah, LeBron, give me that. Since 2020, that, 2003, LeBron, there's him doing it, to Tom Brady. It. There's like, levels to it. It's, it, 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 it's, it's very important. It's very important if yeah. you're in different brackets yeah. and you're talking about a, say, Ibrahimovic, Luis Suarez, where they're not considered in the, the, in like and the greatest of all it, time it, conversations, right? Like, but they're still in kind of that next tier conversation as being like they're true world class like legend players. But we're, now the margins are finer when we're in that conversation, right? Like, okay, you're talking yeah. about the best to ever play a sport. Like, I need everything. Yeah, I need European trophies. I need Ballon d'Ors. Mm-hmm. I need club trophies i need like country tro- like i need everything that's that's the conversation that's where it has to be had and for messi and ronaldo exactly. have done it for like this many years against one another mm-hmm. that's you can't teach that you can't teach longevity of dominance you can't teach that mm-hmm. yeah um you you genuinely can't. So Ronaldo to Al Nasser, two and a half years. Um, we'll see. I, th- I definitely think he wants to make his mark on Euro twenty twenty four. Whether or not the role will be significant, we'll we'll find out. Is I mean his level of play and intensity, being in a league like Al Nasser or in Saudi Arabia is. I mean, listen, that's it's substantial. There's a big difference um, to play at that top level. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, and kind of staying in England, the place that he left. Uh, specifically London, North London, or not North London, excuse me, Chelsea's in London. It's, I'm, I'm thinking about Borussia, and I've seen too many Spurs memes. But anyways, we're here to talk about Chelsea. Todd Bowley um, is brash. He purchased Chelsea for a substantial sum. He got rid of their debt, and now he's out for spending. Uh, we saw it during the summer, and we've already seen it in January. There, today, today Benfica was really publicly making a statement, Schmidt, their manager, essentially saying what Chelsea is doing is just, you know, very unprofessional. The way Todd Bowley is carrying these negotiations about they just want to pay the fee of 120 million euro. They don't want to negotiate. Um, apparently, the offers around 80 something million euro. There's a lot of conflicting refor- reports around Enzo Fernandez and that transfer, but their spending has been elsewhere. 
Okay, let's not let's let's not dumb it down to that. They've purchased a lot of money for Casade from Inter. Um, uh, Chumi, who is another player that we've seen, Milan that was linked to uh, from I believe it was Aston Villa's academy um, that was purchased for around thirty million. We're seeing players from Monaco. We're seeing players from all over the place getting purchased now for these very long contracts. And Chelsea's trying to build something for the future, right? There's rumors of Conte staying. It's going to be Jorginho as the odd man out uh, at that midfield. There's a lot of there's a lot of turnover within the Chelsea squad, right? Despite winning a Champions League not too long ago, Matt, I'm not surprised by Todd Bowley and this spending. If you follow any North American sports at all, and you've followed the Los Angeles Dodgers closely, this is not a shock. What he's trying to do here is pay top dollar and pay ahead of other teams, right? There was a, there was this conversation I was having with this lawyer. He's a prominent Chelsea fan, whatever. It was happening on Twitter. And he was talking about how he stunned players are signing um, for these fees that are more than what the best players at AC Milan make, by the way, just for, just for context, at the age of 20 coming out of youth systems. And they're signing for six to seven years. Why wouldn't you want to take that? Are you kidding me? Like, listen, why are we stunned by this? Seriously, why are we stunned by players that are early on in their 20s where they could still go out and get a second contract in their late 20s? Say say defender, for instance, right, Matt? We talk about it all the time where defenders are really starting to hit their prime in their late 20s. So you're telling me when your contract runs out, when you're 28 or whatever, and you were just getting paid above market value at ages 20 through 23, we'll say, right? The first three to four years of that deal. And then it goes in to, you know, your mid to late 20s. You get the security there because you don't know what's going to happen injury-wise. We saw with Armando Broya tearing his ACL. So now he has that security. To be surprised by what Chelsea is doing, in my opinion, is ignorance. It really is. Because when you have the money that the Premier League generates, when you have owners that are operating the way they do, like the Los Angeles Dodgers do in baseball, you cannot tell me you're stunned by a club that just rid of all their debt and have new ownership in here and that need to overhaul the squad are going to spend asinine amounts of money. It's stupid money. Of course they're going to do it. Like, this is what they do. This is how the Dodgers operate. This is how Todd Bowley is going to do things. This is like, yeah, he makes Roman Abramovich look weak in this sense compared to that spending. But you cannot be shocked by this. I know you aren't, but like, my goodness, this is going to continue to happen because those Premier League dollars and TV money is not going to go anywhere. That Champions League revenue is not going to go anywhere. It's not They're not having the greatest of times in the Champions League right now, but they're in the knockout stages again, okay? That matters. They're one of the biggest clubs in the world. To sit here and be stunned by this Chelsea mega spending, I think it's just ignorance. Um, but for me, is it the soundest way to team build right now, Matt, uh, on a football level? Like, do you think their strategy is going to end out uh, end up working in the short term? Because they're investing in Graham Potter, but they did just hire him midseason after sacking Tuchel, after giving Tuchel money and tools over the summer. It's very – Pet thinks they're run – Terribly. Um, yeah, this doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I think, you know, look, we were having the conversation so when Todd took over, and uh, there's a lot of outrage. But it annoys me. I don't even know if it's controversy. I don't know if it was just people with, again, just angry for really, no, not no reason, because I think everyone wants to protect the sanctity of the sport and the sacredness of the sport and what makes the sport great. But when they talked about having, like, an all-star game, everyone was like, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm like, he's just proposing, he's just proposing an idea that can make more money, like, at the end of the day, you have to run the clubs like 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 a business now. 
Like it used to be running the club like a club, and it's like, yeah, that's that that's important. But these these teams are businesses, and these players that they buy, <laughs> Ronaldo's not a player; he's an asset. He's an asset. He's you, he's he's worth billions almost, pretty much, right? I don't even know the exact mm-hmm. numbers, but he's worth a ton of money, right? He's worth quite a bit, right? Think about this: they're paying him two hundred million a year. Some clubs get some some clubs get sold for like Fiorentina. How much do they get sold for? Mm-hmm. Almost a, almost half. Ronaldo's almost almost Ronaldo's almost half that. What he's getting paid for one year, right? So that's what you have to think bigger picture here. As far as what they're spending, it ain't surprising because Chelsea have been doing this. Premier League teams, uh, predominantly the top two yeah. or three, all right? You could say Liverpool really less, haven't spent like less. this. I know they sold Coutinho and they bought Van Dijk, and that proved. Mm-hmm. to pay great dividends for them. He was major in them winning the title and the Champions League runs they've made. But they kind of have curbed that spending. And that's a Fenway Sports Group conversation because I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm feeling it too. So I, I get it. I get it, Liverpool fan. I'm feeling you. Well, no, but but mm-hmm. but look at City spending. Look at Manchester United. Sancho, Anthony, Fred, Maguire. Like, the list goes on and on and on. So if we're talking about are you surprised at the spending? Devers, the numbers baby. don't surprise me anymore. Especially when you that was job, that next was only to a Premier League team's to. name, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. The more of the conversation is on whether sure, or not Enzo course, Fernandez is worth that money, yeah. and it really comes down to he's worth whatever clubs willing to pay. And that in this case, that's his release clause. Now, do I think he's worth that right now? Just based on performances, and we talked about longevity. We've talked about what he's done so far. He hasn't played a ton of games for Benfica. Zanke's played three seasons, or like Sancho, like Sancho and Holland played a couple games for a couple seasons at, at Borussia Dortmund, right? Everyone said about Holland, oh, he's only doing it in Austria. Then he goes to Dortmund. He terrorizes in Dortmund. He's only doing it at Dortmund. He ain't going to do it in the Premier League. He's doing it in that city, and he's doing it bigger and better than people expected. So... What I'm really trying to get and, and kind of throw back over to you, Martino, and then the people who are listening is what does this do for the market for Jude Bellingham? Because now all of a sudden the market has been set higher for the record transfer fee into the Premier League. So now I'm thinking this is this is a win for Borussia Dortmund because now they're thinking, wait a second, wait a second. Uh, Jude Bellingham has played started games the World Cup for England at a younger age than Enzo Fernandez. He's played. Champions League games with Borussia Dortmund, and he's played very well in those Champions League games. Um, And he's an England international, and we know that City or Liverpool or whoever, uh, they want him because they know what they envision for that midfield with him in it. So I think that's kind of where the conversation goes. But I I, I truly am not surprised by this, what Taboli's doing. He's trying to make a statement. He's trying to show that he's very serious about running Chelsea, bringing them to the top, bringing them above the cities. that's That's what it is. So... If you're surprised by the spending, like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this. Then they got Christian Konku. They got um, they, um, the central defender from Monaco. I forgot the guy's name. Um, they're spending. This, like, the, the fact that people are still like, wow, I can't believe they're doing all this. Where have you been? Mm-hmm. This has been happening for years. Like, like Greg Grealish, what was it, 120 million? No problem. And he's, and he's a waste. No, no offense. That was a waste. He ain't worth that. He ain't performing to that. He ain't performing to that. Right, so it's it really it's only gonna it's the money is only gonna matter if he becomes a flop or not. If he becomes a flop, that's money wasted. If he if he comes into uh, well, Chelsea, walks like right US in, if he absolutely yeah. transforms that midfield, <laughs> people are gonna say money he's well spent. Yeah. And no. Chelsea got ahead of the market because he's worth more now. No. That's what that's what the really conversation kind of comes from. Yep. 
Nobody thinks about it. I, I think it's eerily similar to when Dembele went for the fee that he went. Um, because I, th- I think that just really changed a lot of things. Like, super talented, yes. Barcelona putting themselves in that position because they wanted one player. Dortmund negotiated these, sa- these sales well. And, and, you know, like, Boley was doing this without a director for some time. They finally have a director. Um, but now, to me, I think he's ruining relationships on some levels with certain clubs. And, and we see Benfica uh, outspoken about that. But there's one massive side of of, of negotiations that Todd Bowley now has on his side. It's every fucking so, yeah, agent just in making the sport wants to work with Todd Bowley. Because don't be surprised if you see them paying massive fees towards agents. Don't be, Well, which is supposed to still be corrected by FIFA. Who knows? And by the way, quick correction, 160 million euro is what Fiorentina went for in terms of a sale. Um so all you need to know over that, over that, correct, $40 million. Um, So, yeah, that's just down to that level. I'm not surprised. But, again, I'm good with segues. We're segueing to Italy. Um, Inter-Napoli, game of the week, doesn't matter what anyone tells me. Um, incredible match. This was kind of rem- reminiscent of what football was like in the 2000s. I'm talking about 2000 to 2010, even in the 90s. Um, it was physical. It was intense. You had two great squads going against each other in this one. Um, Funny enough, Inter still are the only team in the top five leagues of Europe to not have a draw yet, which was insane to me because every other league has someone who's got, or every team has gotten a draw. Inter, 10 wins, five losses. Hysterical. We see Napoli lose their first match. Um, and the approach was interesting. We saw what Milan was doing to Cavara. It didn't end up working out because Calabria, or I think it was Serginio Desk, actually, excuse me, um, that fouled Cavara in the box that led to a Napoli penalty. And then on top of the Simeone header. Um, Milan played well against them. They could have won that game. They didn't. Kudos to Napoli for that. They go into San Siro again. Still a difficult place to play. Cavara was, was being physically tossed around. Um, lack of yellow cards, in my opinion, going towards Interway. Uh, Barella not getting a yellow on that one foul was just obscene. But I think the way Inter approached this was perfect. Okay, we're not going to let Cavara beat us. Let all your other players beat us. And Inter did this without Brozovic as well. So this was very impressive by them. It was a good, huge win. And now this was the question I've been asking you, Matt, personally for a while. I respect Napoli. I think they're in the driver's seat to win this title. Okay? There's a lot of season left, 22 matches. But... I was very curious to see how Napoli respond after a loss. We haven't gotten that answer yet, but we have seen them lose. Um, they did not deserve Yeah, it's were the better they team. Did not they were the superior side on the day. I think I was, um, and I was, I was, I was watching the first half and the coverage on Paramount with um, are Inter ready you know, Marco, Micrella, Matteo, Poppy. You know, they, they, I was like, oh, Inter, they're in the driver's seat here. I was surprised because, look, I think we all know how well that Napoli played domestically in Europe. For the Champions League, the first half of the season pre World Cup, um, the best team in Europe, right? The last remaining team unbeaten, right? And you have to respect them as such, right? And when you look at the, how they came into this game, Inter without Brozovic, a core pillar in that midfield, he he runs that show in that midfield quite well, and he's been doing it for years. And you know, when you take out a, when you remove a player out of that midfield position, I had some doubts about whether or not Inter can get a full three points here. I thought it was going to be split. Um, 
but credit to them. I think this was, you know, a, a great job by Simone Inzaghi. Played this extremely well. Shut down Kavarashkiliya the, the entire game. He was nullified. Um, really not a threat. Didn't allow much service to get in. He didn't. They didn't allow him to turn and get into space. Um, and of Victor Osman, there really wasn't many op- clear cut opportunities for Napoli to to. And, mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that Napoli played this extremely well. I thought I think even in our previous recordings, and we've talked, talked about this too about Inter and where we kind of see um, them going forward because there was a point in time in this season early where people were saying, "Zaghi, be let go," and people jumped the gun on those conversations because Zaghi's a good coach. He's not Conte. He hasn't won the the big trophy that Inter fans are were hoping they can get, but. But but yeah, I know on that tweet, please. Um, Simone Inzaghi is is a good coach, and I think that you know they got over a difficult stretch earlier in the season where they had, I think, a, they had quite a few losses to some of the top seven, eight teams. They lost Udinese, they lost Milan, they lost to Lazio. Like they've had some losses to top teams, but they've but they've bounced back quite well, just like Juventus have. <laughs> it's it's amazing. amazing, right? Juventus have won seven straight games, and they have seven seven clean sheets in the process. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how the narrative changes. Sack Allegri, let him go. Now look at them, right? They're in, I know they're not doing it. It's not. It's not sexy, but under Allegri, it never was sexy. A lot of the victories that they had in his previous term, as you, they were, they were. But this, but but but, but mm-hmm. but for Inter to have played this well to start the season when I mean start the, the new year when. A lot of teams came out very stumbly. I know AC Milan had a ton of chances. No. They wasted them, but they, they, they hung on to get a victory. And look, it doesn't well, have they, to be sexy, but garbage to these games the to start they're the still year. They're fresh legs. They're still in Europa League. Fresh legs. I'm looking at my camera, strategic, even though it's strategically all. game plan. The three points matter, and, and Inter getting the three points on the day is very mm-hmm. interesting because now things get a little bit more congested, a little bit more tight at the top. Roma won. They hung on. wasn't convincing. Tommy Abraham had a goal line clearance at the very end. Milan, as I mentioned, they won. The teams like Lazio lost to Lecce. So uh, we're in for quite a battle to, to, to the rest of the way. But just back on the Inter-Napoli game, uh, the frenetic pace, it was it was a great game. It was the main event of the return to, of Calcio for the year. And, you know, I think it's going to make things a lot more interesting. I think you make a great point, you know, how, what, what Napoli are we going to get on the bounce back? Can they respond? And I think they can because they got the star power. Spalletti's a good coach. He's respected and they... They've they've shown they can they can play really well and 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 let leave this in the past, but I think it's going to be very very interesting and I don't think Napoli are going to run away with it that many people thought because of how dominant they were in the fashion they were winning games in the first half of the season or first portion of the season, but I do think you're you're right in the sense that I think it's theirs to lose because if not now when this is the strongest this is the most um, convincing Napoli have played for a good stretch I know that the one year where they came up short against Juventus, but you get the point, right? Later in the driver's seat, I think they're still the favorites. Um, because as good as they'll play and as talented as they are, we all know what looms down the road for Serie A sides that aren't Juve. And that's sales. Sales are going to happen. They're inevitable because Manchester United is going to come in and try and post Victor Oshman. I, I'm almost, if, if Eric Tenhag wants to go down that approach, like I see Victor leaving. And I would sell Victor in a heartbeat if I were them because the fee is going to be insane. 
the, the injuries, like, yeah, like some of them were freaky, but there have been some soft tissue injuries. I just th- I think you're right with that. And the way Milan are kind of approaching things, and that's where I want to transition here, we could see an inter-sale of Milan screen yard this month. That's a very real thing. Or or it, it's, it's, it's because, again, right, and, and, and we want to say, and, and this is the renewal segue again. God, I'm on fucking fire today. But the, the segue with renewals is this, is that, if Milan Screenyard, Matt, and we've seen this unfold with Milan, we've discussed this multiple times in this podcast. If Milan Screenyard truly wanted to stay, and he thought he was getting a fair offer of wages, and he loved Inter as much as everyone says he loves Inter, Milan Screenyard would have signed by now. It would have been done, okay? And listen, do I think it's smarter for Inter to sell Milan Screenyard this month as opposed to keeping him through the rest of the season? And this is why I defended Milan at certain points with running down player contracts is this. Do Inter have a great chance at winning the Scudetto and staying in the top four with or without Milan Skriniar? The answer is no. They don't. They have a worse chance if they sell him. So what's more important to Inter at this point? Financially being in the Champions League or selling off Skriniar now to get that money from PSG? Or you, you know, collect whatever wages off the book that that happens in, in June? For me, it's... Inter has to make the Champions League again. Whether or not Suning is being stubborn or not, doesn't matter. The most important thing for that club is making Champions League again. Because the less money they make, that means they also have to make more sales come summer. They have to. They're a disaster financially. This is really it for Inter. They were in a really tough spot here. Um, So this win was massive for them. Uh, So again, moving towards renewals and, and this overall discussion of things is our club, Milan. Um, a great win to start the year. Everybody freaked out because we didn't have three of our best players um, during the tournament uh, in Dubai, which obviously a lot of people like to freak out about the tournament in Dubai. So I always thought that was really funny that people were doing that. Um, so for me, I find this really funny in the sense that Milan are in pole position to actually re-sign their players. Um, and for me... I know that it is definitely something that is on the radar of all Milanisti. All Milanisti are are doing, are talking about Redbird and their moves in the market and what they're going to be able to do. And ultimately, what I think at the end of the day is this, um, is that if Milan are capable of extending Rafael Leal and Ismail Benacer for the long term, the club is better positioned and better, uh, you know, better position over the course of the next five years than we've seen. We're, we're going to have them keeping on their player, Rafael Leao, who is the MVP of the league and still playing incredibly well throughout this entire time. Um, as a massive coup, it's a coup to keep someone like that. Like you have to keep a player of that substance in your squad. Ismail Benacer, their midfield is going to be nothing without them. And 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 I know you left uh, for a second, Matt, so it's okay real quick. But my point is with these Milan renewals is that there has been never been a more important two renewals, I think, for the club than these two right now. There's this transition of ownership over the summer from Elliott to Redbird. We didn't see much spending. We just saw them win a Scudetto. We see them 
being financially healthier every single time a Swiss ramble thread comes out, right? Milan better position now, Milan better position, but they're still keeping their wage um, structure the same. They want to self-impose salary cap, which I agree with on some level and it's worked, but I do think there needs to be exceptions. And I've told you this, do you make an exception for a 38 year old Zlatan Ibrahimovic? You can make an exception for Rafael Leao and an Ismail Benacer who are about to enter their primes. You do it because that's what big boy clubs do. That's what the best clubs in the world do. They pay players what they're worth. And if they don't want to offer them more than what they think, like Donnarumma, like Hakan, like Cassie, more power to them because they did a great job at that. But if the latest the latest offer um, for Rafael Leal was actually just released by Di Marzio now, Matt. I'm not sure if you've seen this. But for the actual renewal, the contract details itself have been 6.5 million euro net with 1.2 million in bonuses. Whether we don't know what the bonuses are for, maybe it's top four, maybe it's even Scudetto, uh, Scudetti, is it, is it something with goals and assists, is output, dribbles completed. There's a bunch of different incentives that happen in contracts. We just truly don't know, but that's what it is so far. And Benesair, anything over above, uh, anywhere between four to five million euro net were well-deserved, well-deserved. And there's positive signs on all these fronts. Do I think Rafael Leao continues to stay at Milan? for past you know the euros my my question my answer to that question is probably not maybe he stays for the if if they can keep Leao to the next world cup that's phenomenal then they sell him off like i get it i get it the business is is the business and and eventually the guy might want a bigger move but how many clubs bigger than milan at that at this point in time can really really want him and afford him there's actually not as many but but that's besides the point but the real point here, Matt, is, and I think you'll agree to this, and I think every Milan fan would agree to this, the most important thing Redbird can do in this January transfer window, besides maybe, you know, invest in an opportunistic deal, right, like Tomori was, um, is to extend Rafael Leao and Ismail Benacer. If they do those two things, there's serenity amongst the club, the fan base, the squad, everything, everything, Okay. And if younger players are playing well, Milan are well positioned to go into next summer after making the Champions League multiple times in a row. Who knows what's happening with Juve? We'll see how Napoli and Roma adjust financially. Inter's more than likely going to weaken again. Um, Matt, they're really in a good position here if they get these renewals done. In terms of your optimism, and we talked about this when we did a Milan podcast, has your perceptions changed on the ability for these deals to get done. It has, because I think here things are different. The situation with the club is a little bit different than when it was with Donnarumma and Hakan, and Kessie is a little bit different because it's last year we won a Scudetto, and on his way out, obviously he became a champion, right? But it's a little bit different. I think when the Donnarumma and Hakan situations were happening, Milan were still trying to secure themselves as a top four team. They, they didn't have Champions League previously. Milan had a couple years now, and they also have a Scudetto. They got top players signed, Teo Hernandez. And if you're Rafael Leal, you're hmm. thinking, well, who am I going to play with? Right? If I'm going to sign this new deal, am I going to be playing with top players? Am I going to be able to compete for a silverware year in and year out to help me attain those bonuses that you mentioned are reportedly a part of the, the offer, that the package that Milan's putting on, on the table for Leal? That's what you're having to ask yourself because you're committing long-term to a project, at least for a new contract. We know how contracts work in, in, in football versus, you know, these 10, 11-year deals in baseball, right? It's a little bit different. Players can still move while under contract. But more or less, the point I'm trying to make is that if you're Rafael Leao, 
Milan are doing everything imaginable right now within their 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 in my opinion their um, yeah. their their budget and, and financial means to keep you. They're giving you seven million. They haven't paid anybody that, right? They're giving you a long-term contract. They value you. You said you want to stay here. Tonali, Benacer, everyone speaks so highly of you. Teo, Ibrahimovic, all these sorts of things kind of boil up into a pot. Why wouldn't Leao extend? If it's money-driven, it's money-driven. Milan aren't going to have the best sell, best and final offer. They're not going to pay the most money. You can go out and get more money somewhere. But if you're thinking bigger picture and you're thinking, you know, what, do I want to create a legacy with Milan? AC Milan. We heard the conversation and the interview that Fakao Tomori had when he joined Milan. He gets it. Leal gets it. I think he gets it. I thought Donnarumma got it. He doesn't get it because he <laughs> left. And he's not the same player he is at PSG right now. Let's be honest. No. Right? So I think if you're Rafael Leal and you're Benacer, I think what Milan are reportedly offering for both yep. is very fair according to the market. They're going to be amongst the top paid players um, in their position in Serie A, right? I think Rafael Leal is going to be getting paid more than Paolo Dybala. He's going to be getting paid more than pretty much most players in, tack- in attacking sense. And Benacer is going to be getting, what, four and a half million? That's, that's a pretty good bump in salary. I think that's triple what he's currently earning, somewhere around there. So these are very good proposals for Milan. And I, I just find it very frustrating how people kind of cons- continue to pin it on Maldini and Mazzara um, when in the, it would be in the best interest for Milan to extend his players. You, you, if, he had the, if he was holding the money, do you really think he would say, nah, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, it gets frustrating to have that sort of, like, conversation and that, like, sort of engagement with fans online. But that's really what it comes down to. And it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, but Maldini didn't do this. I'm like, do you think if he really, if, if you think if he was holding an endless, an endless check and, and bottomless yeah. bag of money, he wouldn't say, eh, I'm not going to get Maldini that. loves wasting he time. Yeah, he, he loves yeah, it. I'm sure Maldini this. Masada, where they're aging faster so, than milk, love to do of this course. stuff with to haggle for deals. And and I will say this. So this is my final point. I think it's very encouraging how things have developed progressively well for Milan in these conversations. If you believe in the rumors and you believe in the reports from reliable sources, right? Because that's really what we want to emphasize here with this it's podcast. Case, we don't yeah, want to just yeah. say it's a random source, Di Marzio. Like these are valid sources, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's legs, there's steam to this. Um, Teo signed, Tomori signed. A lot of these guys have committed. Like if you're Leao and you're Benacer and you have any any doubts. I don't really see where the doubts come from. I think if those two players stay and Milan can build on top of that, there's no reason why they can't win more trophies. There, there's no reason why they can't go deeper into the Champions League. There's no reason why guys like Rafael Leao can't really cement himself and his legacy as a top, top player at Milan when we speak on players with longevity at this club, right? Because I think if you're talking six, seven years and he's thinking bigger picture and he says, wow, I won trophies. I became a top 15 Ballad Dior finalist with this club. Happens I won Serie A MVP. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you have to think. If you're a player, you want to leave a lasting legacy. And I think that's kind of what maybe you're you're hoping that, that, he, that he, he thinks with that mindset. Um, and Ben Acer, it's a different case, but I think these both, both these players have to be retained. It's, it's y- yes, you want players to be added, but it says a lot more if Milan can retain these players while offering top wages and competitive wages yeah. at market price. It shows the strength of the project. It shows how far Milan have come. And if they're losing these players, I think uh, from optics, on the outside looking in, the wider Europe is going to say, they still can't keep Rafael Leal. I thought yeah. they were, they just got bought yeah. by a billion, like a billionaire, billion, billion transaction. Yeah. How come they can't keep these top players? Which we yeah. know it's a Serie A Italy issue more sure. so than anything else. 
but they got to be able to keep these players. But like big, but big boy be. clubs in weaker leagues, leagues keep their guys. Like Juve, yep. were doing it, yep. right? Like PSG, Bayern, they do it. They're financially healthy. Like they do. They well, like PSG is a little different, but you get the point. Like top teams keep top players, and I think the important thing is in all of this, and I'm not sure they've had this conversation, but I'm sure it's come up. You know, Zlatan, okay, has said it time and time again about Milan. Zlatan has played at Manchester United. He's played at PSG. He's played at Barcelona. He's played in LA, right? Even a big city. Uh, I'm just going to have to mute you for a second because you're coming off a little uh, little um, off there. But the point is with, with Zlatan can speak to this, and he said it. He's never played at a bigger club. He has never felt more like a champion and serene than he did at Milan, and he's Juve Inter as well that I didn't mention. And Ajax, this guy has said it. And the players have said it. You mentioned the Tamori thing on the Players' Tribune interview. If you guys haven't seen that, I highly suggest you go watch that on your, their YouTube channel. For me, Matt, it's it's kind of it's kind of like you can also be a legendary Milan player and still move somewhere else to play one day at a good age. Um, for me, if Milan are capable of doing this, I think it would be fantastic. I'd be over the moon, and and it solidifies that this project is a lot more serious to win number eight which is the most important thing on my mind. Honestly, with this club, Milan, every day in and out, are we closer to winning our eighth Champions League? And if you lose those two players, the answer is no. We're further back. Um, So that's what I'm hoping happens. Um, There's a lot of positive reports. But again, we don't get excited until pen to paper and we see that picture with Maldini, Masada, uh, and others. Um, But again... Um, anything else we want to wrap up on here uh, uh, for episode 130? No, I think that's, that can be covered quite a bit on this episode. And yeah, I just, and again, I'm going to get a mushy comment here. Um, and But uh, just thanks to all the people that are still listening. I know we maybe haven't been putting out episodes as consistently as we, we would hope and as we, as we have in the past, but um, I, I appreciate you guys sticking with us for 130 episodes. That's, that's pretty. That's pretty awesome, considering the fact that a lot of a lot of podcasts do do fall off and they don't they don't stay consistent. So the fact that we're able to put out this much content, people still are looking for our podcast. People still want to hear what we have to say. Same thing with Pet too. Um, I, I do do. They're very very much appreciate that. Yeah, um, we only came out with 14 episodes last year, um, but we're getting over around 200 something people. It's it's greatly appreciated. We. Know, it's been tough times for all, all three of us to try and like get together and do these kind of things. And we try and get these clips as much as possible. Obviously you can go and follow pet on his Twitter account, AFC pet. Um, Cause that's where he wants to keep his football stuff. But uh, Pepperisha, our guy, um, uh, we can't do any of this stuff without him. And shout out to Ty who's helped immensely as well. Ty um, probably might be editing this episode. I'm not hundred percent sure yet. I might just do it. Um, and then, uh, Matt as well. Matt, I don't believe you plugged all your social media stuff, so get on top of that, and then I could uh, move on. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Still putting out pretty, pretty freaking articles for Football Italia. Doing some um, some Fanta Calcio, some Serie fantasy content as well. So if you're into that, definitely go follow me on Twitter. Um, we have some some ideas, Martino and I, behind the scenes, maybe some for some more video content, which we'll share with you guys on Twitter. We just can't get these damn nah, cameras like, listen, working, bro. It's listen, so annoying. The tech so is not annoying. it's not my that's not my steez. It's not my link. I don't thrive in that, <laughs> in that arena. But um, 
Santangelo Serie. Yeah, it's just look. I'm just there to, to tweet, <laughs> please win Milan, and that's all I'm really good for <laughs> sometimes. So, um, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. No, I'm not no, underscore no. Santangelo. Anything I'm working on, anything I put out, it'll be there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Go and follow all that stuff. Uh, stay to play. We're going to try and post that stuff more often. And if you're a Milanisti or a Milanista, whatever uh, word we want to use with this, if you're interested in that type of content, because I know we still get a, a bit, of, a good amount of them, please follow myself and Matt. We're going to have a lot more of that coming in the future. Um, tech won't be an issue on that side of things, so that'll be okay. Um, and again, you can just follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. The chase to 10K is almost there. We're about 100 followers off on there. Um, on Instagram, you can go and follow me. A lot of video content posted there as well as TikTok and my YouTube. I have hit every single goal that I want to hit on there. Martino Puccio is just the name that you need to go and search for all of that. Um, other than that, listen to some walking. Walking.